everyone. Welcome back to Not Another Wellness Podcast. I'm so excited to be recording again. So, so much has changed since the last podcast episode, which was a really long time ago, um, but there's a pretty good reason why. And I'm here to kind of update you on why and then get this podcast back in action. So today is August 1st and I am three months postpartum with my little baby girl who is napping in the other room. So I probably have about 20 minutes to start this episode. So we're going to just do, you know, what we can with the nap times. If you are a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But anyways, I had a bunch of podcasts lined up for last fall. Things are like really picking up and it was so much fun again. And boom, got pregnant. And um, what a gift. And also, it just changes a lot of things for me. So I decided to hold off on some of the episodes and just allow myself to be present and focus on being healthy and growing this beautiful baby and trying to um, sleep as much as I can. So to catch you up to speed, we found out we were pregnant and we were going to keep it a surprise, um, the gender. And of course, at the, I think it was the 12-week appointment, we found out it was actually closer to 14 weeks and accidentally, the gender of the baby was expressed to me without my knowledge of, um, without me wanting to know. But it was a huge blessing because we were so excited to find out that we were having a baby girl. And um, it was just kind of a nice little treat at the end of the first trimester, which was really, you know, tough. I, I don't think I'm one of those people that you see walking around pregnant and you just see that they're thriving. Um, it just takes a big toll on me. And actually, mentally, I feel like a lot changes. And that's why I didn't record anything <laughs> while I was pregnant or even um, postpartum so far, because I, I just find that it really shifts so much in my brain that I'm not able to show up in the way that feels authentic. I sort of feel completely different, if that makes any sense. Um, so we found out we we're having a baby girl. We had a really fun time over the holidays sharing that information with our families um, because, yeah, I don't know. I guess I didn't realize how excited I was to have a girl. I was definitely preparing for another boy, which would have been wonderful. But finding out that we were going to get to have one of each was just such a little treat. Um, and then pregnancy was uh, good. I mean, overall, it was easier to be pregnant this time in some ways than it was with my first. I knew a little bit more of what to expect. And some of the symptoms, you know, were a little bit less intense than the first time around. So I didn't have any crazy cravings. The aversions to food were pretty minimal. So I couldn't, you know, like not much to complain about. Um, the only thing that got tough was just managing having my toddler. He turned two while we were pregnant and then by the time the baby came was closer to two and a half and you know he was experiencing crazy emotions with that transition to uh, realizing I was changing and so he could definitely tell that something big was coming in our family and um it was just hard to navigate his transition with my own transition and just that age frame when like the tantrums really pick up and the emotional intelligence is is more there than it ever was before. So that was just kind of a tricky thing. Anyways, um, I decided to 
um, attempt a VBAC, which is a vaginal birth after cesarean. My first birth, if you haven't heard that story, um, is a couple episodes back. Um, I had an emergency C-section the first time and I thought, you know, I'd rather attempt for a vaginal birth this time. I had waited enough time to get pregnant in between births where it makes you a good candidate, I guess, because there's enough time for the uterus to heal from and the abdomen to heal from such a surgery before it, it then grows again. I think the risk there is if the incision on your uterine wall is not healed enough and then you get pregnant, it can actually stretch the, I think the incision, again, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but it can stretch open and cause, um, they're more likely to be risk for uterine rupture, which is really serious and very scary. Anyways, I waited enough to feel like I was healed. We got pregnant and then, gosh, the end of the third trimester was just really uncomfortable. I gained a lot of weight again. Um, if you're a person that has been pregnant before and you look around at other pregnant people and you're like, wow, they, their body really didn't change except for the belly. Yeah, that's not, that's not me at all. <laughs> so I'm with you if like your entire body just changes drastically when you're pregnant. So it just got really heavy on my feet and just uncomfortable picking up a toddler out of the crib, putting him in the crib. Um, but you know, it's just one of those things that are so worth it once you're on the other side and you've healed from birth and see your baby. It's like, I would do anything to have her and my son and go through whatever changes is necessary. Um, but I do want to just touch on, it is a huge shift to when you're like your whole life, you're told not to be big as a woman and it's ridiculous. Um, and then you get big in pregnancy and like the brain doesn't recognize that that's a good thing because of all your conditioning that that's not right, which is just ridiculous because you're growing a baby anyway. So that's how it was. Um, and then, uh, the birth story. So I was due on May 4th and I, on May 1st, we went to Costco <laughs> to, to stock up the deep freezer that we had gotten to fill with meals and breast milk and, um, yeah, just like have some meals on hand and we just don't have a big freezer. Got a freezer, went to Costco, filled it with like frozen, um, what do we get? Like salmon and veggie and not veggie bowls, like chicken and rice bowls and chicken nuggets for the toddler and those kind of things. And we decided to pick up a big pizza from Costco. Um, and the night before we'd made bets on when we thought I was going to go into labor. So my husband actually predicted the birth date of our daughter was when I was going to have her, which is pretty cool. I was definitely thinking I was going to be late. Um, but no, on August 1st, that's a Monday, it was a Monday night, I started to feel a little bit of wetness and there was like a gush of fluid and I was like, hmm, could that be my water? I didn't have my, the experience of having my water break the first time, so it was totally new. Um, I was pretty excited, but I was trying not to get, you know, any hopes up, but every time I would stand up, I would feel like a little gush of fluid, like a little trickle of fluid coming out. <laughs> and so I put on a pad to kind of see what color it was. Um, it was clear and it's supposed to be odorless if it's amniotic fluid from the baby's uh, sack. And it was, it just almost smelled like a little bit salty. Sorry if that's TMI, but I just don't 
think anything is TMI anymore. Cause like why all very natural, normal. Um, that night I was kind of like, all right, let's just see what happens and see if this is my fluid breaking or what I call, I started getting contractions. So my water started leaking at like 8 PM and I woke up at like 1230 with contractions and I was so excited. Something just fell over. That was well. That's fine. Um, I was so excited. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to go into labor naturally." This is my second birth. I'm so excited that it's already starting off different, differently. With my first, I had developed preeclampsia, so high blood pressure at the end, and I was monitoring that very closely. I guess I kind of forgot that I'd gotten a blood pressure cuff for the end of the pregnancy and I was starting to feel like my blood pressure was spiking because there was one day when I had some visual changes which is usually a sign of preeclampsia anyway so I was checking my blood pressure like crazy and it was getting high around the same day like May 1st so I was like a little nervous (laughs) because I didn't want to be induced again anyway the contractions went about for an hour and a half and they were pretty spaced apart and they weren't that intense but about two in the morning I called the on the emergency number or like the on-call midwife who I was seeing. Um, so you call this number they give you. You get an answering service that they outsource and they kind of scan the calls to make sure they should really transfer it over to the midwife because it, it was two in the morning. And so they're probably working or sleeping. And the midwife called me back and she said, you know, um, if you're, that was your water breaking, we want you to come in at 9 a.m. And if things really pick up before then, like if you have contractions that are like lasting one minute and are like three minutes apart or four or five minutes apart, I forget which one it is, then call and come in sooner. And so okay, I was like, okay, this is happening. I remember feeling like so like I was shaking in excitement. I was like, oh my gosh, like how can I ever sleep? Like I'm going into labor. This is so cool. My body's doing it. Um, because of my first, I was induced. I didn't go into labor naturally. So like the contractions I were feeling were from the Pitocin mostly. And this time I was feeling my body's contractions and it was kind of nerding out. So that was cool. Um, the next morning I did fall asleep eventually because the contractions kind of stalled and stopped at one point. And I slept for a few hours, like probably like two hours. I was so excited. And this, the advice is to rest when you start in early labor, but I just... It's really hard when you know the baby's coming, right? You know you're starting that process. So nine in the morning comes and I let my doula know what's going on. And I was like, she wants me to come in. You know, I told her what the midwife said. I was like, but um, labor's really stopped. So like, I don't really want to go into the hospital right now. Like, what do you think I should do? So she advised that I call them again and just ask if I had to go in or not. And if I could just stay at home and let labor progress. I didn't hear back from anyone. So I ended up going into the hospital just out of caution. I was like, right, they wanted me to come in. Maybe they just want to check that it really was my fluid that broke and uh, just make sure the baby's doing well, which doesn't sound like a bad idea to me. So we go in and they like bring me right into the labor and delivery room. Like the nurses are like, okay, come on. And like they walk me over and I'm seeing the delivery room and I'm like, wait, what's happening? Aren't you going to check that I'm actually in labor? Um, and checked that my water broke and and they were like, Oh, you want to do that? Okay. And so they walked me back out into triage. It was very strange. I guess they were just gonna start an induction. And I wasn't on board with that. That was not part of my plan at all. Um, so I was like, no, like hell no. I 
Like, let me see if I can do this on my own. Like, I don't, I don't want to be induced for no reason unless there's a medical reason that makes it necessary. Um, and there kind of was in a sense, I guess, at this hospital that I was delivering at, once your water breaks, within 24 hours, they want you to be in active labor. So because my water broke at 8 p.m. the night before, they wanted me by 8 p.m. the next night to be like basically already having the baby or really close. And so the, the midwife came in and explained that to me. They swabbed um, to see if that was actually amniotic fluid. And it was. They didn't want to do a cervical exam because there's more risk of infection. A cervical exam checks up in your cervix to see if you've dilated at all to kind of see how far along you are. But because my water had broken, they didn't want to do that if I didn't want to. And I I didn't want a cervical exam. They're actually my least favorite part of the whole process. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but like I just hate the thought of someone like jamming their fingers into your cervix. It's not comfortable for me. Um, and for a lot of people, it's really not comfortable, but it is a little piece of information that gives you a sense for understanding how far you are dilated, which is helpful information. Okay. So talk to the midwife and I'm like, hey, like, I really don't want to be put on Pitocin right now. Like I am attempting a VBAC. I want to be able to do this as far as I can on my own without introducing drugs because I don't want to increase my risk for a uterine rupture. And I understood that adding Pitocin in can be pretty intense for your uterus since you're kind of like forcing it to contract um, as it releases the oxytocin into your uh, body, bloodstream. I don't know. And um, she was totally understanding of that. It's like, okay. Well, here's what you can do. You can be admitted into the hospital right now, and we can bring you a breast pump, and you can start pumping. Um, breast pumping um, releases oxytocin and will likely ramp things up for you. And we'll give you four hours. <laughs> sounds crazy. Four hours of pumping before we check you and see if it's working. And if not, then we're going to start Pitocin if your body hasn't picked up in uh, labor. So I was like, great. All right. I definitely don't want to start Pitocin. I'm down. So we get admitted. We're like so excited. We get into our hospital room. We had my hospital bag and like a full grocery bag full of snacks. And Adam, my husband's so cute. He like set up all the snacks. And one of the nurses came in and was like, oh my gosh, you guys are like moving in. And we explained that we had been in the hospital like six days with our first and we ran out of food and we didn't pack enough. And so this time we were like ready for anything. And we ate most of the snacks, things that we had. I had some like instant soups, miso soup and bone broth. And then we had like, I don't know, peanut butter pretzels. And then we had element electrolyte packets. And then we had coconut water and we had granola bars and we had little smoothie pouches and et cetera. So we were well stocked. It was pretty, it was great. So we start pumping and the contractions ramp up like right away like really, really intensely. Um, I was really impressed by how quickly things went from being like pretty minor to pretty intense. And I was like, okay, this is so cool. Again, this is happening. Like I'm not being induced. Like this baby's going to be here any minute. You know, I was like so excited. And four hours go by. So it's like the afternoon now. My poor nipples from pumping. (laughs) They're just not used to this. We're very sore. I was feeling exhausted because um, the contractions are really, really strong and I'm also pumping. 
I had another gush of like my water breaking. So it turned out that my water had broken at the top of the bag, like top of my belly and or top of my uterus. And then um, the rest of the bag while I was laboring on the toilet, which is like a great position to kind of open up your pelvis, it gushed and all of a sudden like all the fluid came out and my doula was there at that point. We called her because we thought I was like way further along than I actually was in hindsight. She came and she was helping me like switch up positions and I was laboring on the toilet with one foot up on a step stool and then the other foot to create like this imbalance um, in the pelvis to help the baby descend. So she was like, okay, now things are really going to pick up. And so I'm like, okay, okay. And then, you know, it's six or seven at night at this point and they're like, we really got to check your progress because I was contracting but there was a lot of time in between contractions, if I remember. And um, I was like doing okay. So they didn't, it still wasn't apparent that I was in active labor. So they wanted to check if I really was or not. And my least favorite part of <laughs> labor is these cervical checks. They're very triggering for me just with some things that have like happened in my life. And then also um, my last labor uh, my last, yeah, labor. I had a ton of cervical exams and they were really, really painful. It turns out there's some reasons for that. And then also a lot of psychological reasons why I don't like someone shoving their fingers into my cervix uh, to measure. So they send me down. They're like, okay, we got to do an exam. I'm like, okay, okay. Like this wasn't part of my birth plan, but like I, we got to know what's going on because things aren't moving as fast as we want them to. And they do the cervical exam. It's it's very uncomfortable, but I was prepared this time. And it, you know, I kind of was able to breathe through it sort of. And they were like, we don't want to tell you how far along you are because we don't want it to get in your head. And I kind of knew that meant that I wasn't that far at all, even though we were approaching 24 hours of being in labor technically, since my water had broke. Um and they told my doula what it was. And they're like, all right. Honestly, <laughs> I don't remember much from this time. They were like, we're going to have to start Pitocin to really get you going. Because now we're approaching 24 hours since your water broke. And there's increased risk for infection if there's nothing protecting the baby. Uh, the bag of fluid is like literally like a balloon around the baby that is filled with fluid that they breathe in and out and it sustains them. And so when it's not there anymore, they're about time to come out and they're not protected from like infection or like bacteria getting up there or something. So I thought really hard about this. And in my birth plan this time, I'd said, I will do about 24 hours of labor. But beyond that, I think I'm not going to go much further without pain relief because with my first, I went three days without pain relief. And by the time I had asked for an epidural to speed things up uh, and to get some rest, it was already like 50 hours. And then within five hours, I was having an emergency C-section. And by the time my son, my first son, firstborn was born, I was just exhausted because that's three days of being in the hospital, contracting, not sleeping. So I was like, I don't want to do that again. And I talked with my support team and I said, I, I want to go ham. Like I want this baby to come out. And so I want to use Pitocin. I want an epidural. 
So the anesthesiologist came in, it gave me the epidural. It worked like a charm with my first. The first epidural I got failed. So I was a little nervous that it wouldn't work, but it totally worked, which is great. I got to lay down um, in bed. I didn't feel the contractions anymore. It was like, oh, okay, good. This is good. Um, they started the Pitocin and they moved me every 15 minutes the entire night. Like that nurse who was working the 7 to 7 shift, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., had to move me every 15 minutes, like literally the entire night until she was off her shift because baby wasn't loving the contractions and they were only, I think you can go up to a 20 on your Pitocin level and I was on a level one or two and the, there was some heart decelerations and just signs that um, she wasn't thriving. So I did not sleep at all. They moved me. I had a donut pillow between my knees. They would move me from side to side, leg up, like leg off the table. My doula was helping with um, trying to do like a pelvic release where you let like dangle your leg off the table and try and open things up. In the middle of the night, they also determined, um, or actually this is earlier on, that I had some scar tissue on my cervix that probably was why it wasn't dilating. It turns out when they checked me after 24 hours almost, I was like at a one maybe after all those contractions. And uh, the nurse got in there and luckily I had the epidural at this point. She broke up the scar tissue, said that it was pretty cooperative, that like she was able to move it around. And um, then I started dilating. So I think by the time the morning came, I was like eight centimeters so I was really close um then I was like nine and a half centimeters and there was like 30 more minutes where there's just like a lip of the cervix over the baby's head um and then finally by like 10 a.m the next day I'm so tired but like at least I hadn't been feeling much pain just like a lot of pressure I started feeling pressure towards the morning which I thought meant she was getting closer and she was I was 10 centimeters I called in the doctor and I was like, I want to start pushing like right now. Like, let's get this show on the road. I'm so excited. Like, let's do it. It's going to be great. <laughs> and I got coached on how to push. I had not done this with my first. So I, they told me to push like you're pooping. And so, yes, for everyone who was like asked those questions, like, do you poop in labor? I absolutely did. Like first push <laughs> and they wiped it away and no one said anything, but they literally tell you push like you're pooping. So if there's any poop in there it's gonna come out um yeah sorry if that's that's uh shocking but that's just like pretty normal a standard um i pushed and pushed and the first couple pushes i didn't feel anything uh which was weird the epidural kind of takes away your sensation and so it was kind of hard to feel if i was actually pushing or not so i'm like you know, trying all the different pushing positions. They have me um, squatting. They have me on my back. They have me on my side. And uh, two hours go by, <laughs> which felt like a really long time because you have to push like there's everything, every ounce of you, and then you have to rest in between. And it just is exhausting. I also hadn't eaten anything since I started Pitocin and the epidural because they don't want you to eat that much, which is so dumb. But you're not supposed to eat anything. They give you clear liquids and jello, like red jello and like ginger ale and stuff. Um, so you're just exhausted and hungry. 
because I was attempting a VBAC, I think I had a higher risk to need a cesarean. So I wasn't really looking to question the eating and drinking thing. So anyway, yeah, um, pushing, pushing. And she's not coming out and starting to get pretty exhausting um, emotionally and physically and mentally. And just I started to feel like, can I do this? you know, why has she not come out? Is she stuck? What's going on? And it turns out she was stuck um, under my pubic bone. And the midwife came in and said, I think we need to try the vacuum to have a vacuum assisted delivery. And if you don't know what that is, you can Google it or you can trust me that it's a, a thing that I don't think anyone wants. Like, I don't think anyone goes into their birth saying, I really hope I need a vacuum assist. Like, you want to be able to push this baby out yourself. And I just started bawling because I was scared. I know there are risks to the baby associated with a vacuum delivery. But I trusted that after two hours, if she wasn't moving, then I needed some help. And like, I was going to trust that that was the right decision. So. All of a sudden, the delivery room goes from being like four people, like my partner, my doula, my midwife, and a nurse to like 10, 12 people. We have the whole NICU team in. There's like another special team. There's the mid, the OB has to come in to administer the vacuum. It's not something that midwives do. And I was just terrified because I was like, I know it's going to pull on her head and it just like baby's heads are so soft. And so I'm like going over my head like, oh my gosh, I hope this works. Like I'm not like fully sharing like how defeated I felt already. I just was like pushing so hard, like, you know, like all of my might every single time. And she wasn't out already. She wasn't coming out. And it just felt like I didn't have anything left. So finally the OB comes in. She says, I can only try this a few times. I closed my eyes for the whole thing. I really didn't want to see what the vacuum looked like. I didn't want to see it touching my baby. I didn't want to like. And it sounds like little Tegan is up. So I'm going to stop there and record the part two um, during during the next nap. (laughs) Thank you for listening this far. If you've gotten this far, it's very helpful for me to share this and get it out of my head. (laughs) 